Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. I am honored to be sharing the Lord's word with you guys today, just what he's been speaking to me. So Joel lists a lot of fun facts about me, but one fun fact about me is that I grew up on an orange grove. I grew up on 11 acres of citrus trees, and when I was in high school, my parents would be like, okay, Allison, we are going to wake up early, and we're gonna pluck suckers off of the baby trees. And maybe you're like, what the heck is a sucker, right? I mean, I didn't know what it was. A sucker is known as a water sprout, and they grow on citrus trees when they're babies, and they require a lot of water, And they also can take away from the sunlight from the viable stems that actually need the sunlight. And so it's super important to take these suckers off of the baby trees because you want the baby tree to grow into the biggest tree that it can be, right? And so my parents would wake me up at 5 a.m. because we grew up in Central California, a little town called Porterville. Right now it's literally like 110 degrees there. So hence why we woke up at 5 a.m. to go and do this. We'd put our gloves on, we'd get the clippers, and we'd go up and down the rows of the orange trees and take off these suckers. And so I want to read to you again the definition of what a sucker is and why we were taking it off. They were a hindrance to the tree because they took away from the water that it needed and they took away from the light that it needed. Light and water, a tree needs light and water in order to grow, right? We too need God who is the light of the world and the living water But sometimes we also need to be pruned, just like we had to prune these baby trees in order to grow into the best version of ourselves that God's intended for us to be. And so with that being said, today's sermon is titled, Abide in the Abundance of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at John 15. We're going to be looking at a lot more verses than just what Joel read. But before we get started, I'd love to just open us in prayer. So if you'd bow your heads with me. Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you brought each person here today because you wanted to speak to them. That is why they're here. It's not a coincidence. It's purposeful. It was your intent for them to be here today because you have something that you want to speak to them that you know their heart needs. They might even know their heart needs it. So Lord, I trust that you will speak to them Would it be your words out of my mouth and not my own? Amen. So like I said, we are going to be looking at John 15 today. And in John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples about he is the true vine and they are the branches. And before we dive into the scripture and before I read it, I just want to give you a little bit of an overarching view of what Jesus was telling them and what he intended with this story. So John 15 is a part of what's called the farewell discourse. And this farewell discourse is when Jesus was showing his disciples that he was the way and means to the Father and also that he would be the one that would bring them blessings by going to the cross. And so this farewell discourse takes place from chapters 13 to chapter 16. And in chapters 14, he was explaining to the disciples that he's the way and means to the Father. And then in chapter 15, he goes on to saying, what the end product of our relationship will be with him, what comes to be when we abide in Jesus. And so that is kind of how he was setting up the disciples for what he wanted to tell them in John 15. And then also in John 15, we have the last 
of the seven I am statements that Jesus says in the Gospel of John, and I want to read them to you. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And lastly, I am the true vine. So this being Jesus' last I am statement, and one of his last teachings to the disciples before he goes to the cross, means that Jesus really wanted his disciples to understand this story. There was something important in it for the disciples to understand. And so there's something really important for us to understand about it too. Understanding Jesus as the true vine and the honor that it is that we get to abide in him is vital to living a full life with Jesus. And that's what we're all about here at Aloha Church. And we're gonna learn today that abiding in Jesus is simply just doing life with Jesus. Abiding in Jesus is simply doing life with Jesus. Are you with me? Yeah. Woo! Okay, we're gonna read. If you wanna open your Bibles to John 15, we are going to be reading verses one through 11. It reads, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear even more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. Woo! A little mic drop from Jesus right there. So I don't know if you realize this, but we just read 11 verses, and in those 11 verses, Jesus said the word abide 10 times. 10 times. And when Jesus normally was telling his disciples a story or he was doing a teaching and he really wanted to get his point across, he was known to repeat himself. Normally like two to four times, maybe five. But in this passage, he repeats himself 10 times. You think he's trying to get something across, don't you think? <laughs> and so in verse four, when we read the word abide in its original language and original meaning, it means to remain in. Some other versions, I read the ESV, say remain in instead of abide. In the word remain in English, it means to continue to exist. Another word similar to abide and similar to remain is to dwell. So maybe you find yourself asking, but how do I abide? Have I been abiding? What is it that I need to do? Just Allison, tell me what I gotta do, right? And this is where I love Jesus's heart so, so much. Because to abide in him or to remain in him, there isn't necessarily anything that we have to do except simply be with him. 
remain in me, continue to exist with me, do life with me, right? And there isn't, I think a lot of times when we become a Christian or we say yes to following Jesus, we think that there's this master to-do list of these things that we need to do in order to abide in Jesus. That I need to do this in order to get this. I need to do this in order to further his kingdom. But that's actually not what he's asking us at first. He's asking us to just simply be with him. And so what Jesus is saying here when he says, abide in me 10 times, he's saying, my child, I want you to do life with me. I just want to do life with you. Daughter, son, I want to do life with you. The one thing on your to-do list when you say yes to following Jesus is to simply do life with him. Because as soon as we say yes to him, we begin abiding in him because we become connected to him. And so what does it even look like to do life with Jesus, right? How do I do life with Jesus is a big question that we can ask. And so I want to give you some tangible ways, including but not limited to reading our Bibles, praying, talking to Jesus while we drive, singing worship songs, trusting God, living in joy, inviting the Holy Spirit to help us when we wake up, lamenting, taking steps of obedience, talking about Jesus with friends, saying, God, I need you amid a hard day, asking the Lord to help you encourage a friend, and anything else that includes being in a daily relationship with Jesus, like he's a friend that you're getting coffee with, because all he wants to do is be with you. Jesus' deepest desire is to just be with you. His deepest desire is to be abiding in you as you abide in him. So that being said, we are going to expand on three different points today, and they all start with as we abide in Jesus. And this isn't saying add these to your to-do list for Jesus. Again, that's not his heart. When we say yes to Jesus, we are automatically abiding in Jesus because his spirit now lives inside of us. Amen? Amen. Woo! All right, point one is as we abide in Jesus, we bear much fruit. In verse five, it said, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And the fruit that's being talked here is the fruits of the spirit that's listed in Galatians 5. And so the fruit that will come from us through Jesus, he's the one that bears the fruit within us and we're gonna get there, but it's anything that reflects love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the fruit that's going to come from us is anything that reflects those things. And I want to just give you a picture of what a vine looks like. So when you look at the vine, right, it's rooted in the ground. Just picture a vine of grapes in your head. The vine is rooted in the ground, and then the branches come off of the vine, right? So the result of the fruit isn't, or the result of the fruit that's produced on the branch isn't produced by the branch itself. It's produced from the vine because if the branch wasn't on the vine, it would be producing no fruit. In fact, the branch would essentially be dead because it wouldn't be getting any nutrients from the vine, which who is the vine? Jesus is the true vine, right? And so that goes for us too. We can't bear fruit without being connected to Jesus. And that connection happens when we say yes to him. So if you've said yes to following Jesus, 
you are connected to him. You are a branch that is abiding in the vine and you will bear much fruit. But guess what? The fruit produced isn't of you. You aren't to go and produce fruit. The fruit produced isn't a result of you, but rather a result of the vine, the true vine in which the true vine knows everything that you need and everything that the world needs. And so a lot of times I think we hear this verse and we hear you'll bear much fruit and we think that we need to go and start producing all of this fruit, right? It's super easy to get caught up in. I've definitely tried to produce my own fruit before. Tried to make these things happen because I thought it was going to really further the kingdom of God. But really I was just selfishly rooted in my pride or selfishly rooted in myself. We are not the ones to determine the fruit that will be produced from us. God determines the fruit that needs to be produced by you for his glory. And the fruit that's going to come from your life is going to be different than the fruit that comes from my life. Because he knows the fruit that needs to come from my life. And he knows the fruit that needs to come from your life. And so we also can't compare each other's fruit to each other, right? Oh, they've got a bigger grape than I've got. That's not how it works. We can't compare fruit. The Lord knows what the world needs through you. And he knows what the world needs through me, right? So the big question, how do we bear fruit then? Okay, if the Lord is the one who produces the fruit in us, it says we'll bear much fruit. How do we get there, right? We get pruned. Woo! <laughs> Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So there's two parts to this verse. The first part says... The branch that's not bearing fruit, he takes away. The branch that is bearing fruit, he prunes. But I want to show you guys something. I was reading a commentary by a Bible scholar named David Guzik, and also Pastor Drew had sent me something that he'd also discovered through reading a few things. And this Bible scholar says that the ancient Greek verb, iro, which is translated to that takes away part here, so takes away is iro in Greek, okay? but it's actually more accurately translated to lifts up. So the idea is that the father, the vine dresser, lifts up the unproductive vines off of the ground, which was actually common practice in ancient vineyard care. The vineyard keepers, I guess that's what you would call them, would go and lift up the vines that weren't bearing fruit to help them reach the light so they would bear more fruit. And realizing this was just so sweet to see how gentle and kind the Lord's heart is towards us, right? He cares about addressing the places in our life that aren't bringing life. He wants to help every area of our life be a reflection of who he is. That's his heart for us. And then on to the second part, every branch in Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so I feel like this term pruning season can oftentimes have a negative connotation, right? I'm in a pruning season. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. But actually, a pruning season is a time where the Lord makes room in your life for an increase of fruitfulness and an increase of growth. It's actually a beautiful time. 
And so I want to share this quote from N.T. Wright's commentary on John 15 that literally blew my mind. It's a little long, so I want you to hang in there with me because I promise you guys that your minds are going to be blown also. <laughs> he says, I am no gardener then, but I can mow a lawn, I can pick gooseberries, I can plant bulbs, and I can prune roses. Someone told me how when I was young, and I've never forgotten. In fact, I not only know how to do it, I even know why. A rose bush, left to itself, will get straggly and tangled and grow in on itself. It will produce quite a lot of not-so-good roses rather than a smaller number of splendid ones. It will quite literally get in its own light. It needs help to grow in the right directions and to the right ends, so you prune it to stop it wasting its energy and being unproductive. You cut out particularly the parts of the plant that are growing inwards and getting tangled up. You encourage the shoots that are growing outwards towards the light. You prune the rose, in other words, to help it be its truest self. As far as I understand it, more or less, the same thing works for vines. Vines, too, need to focus their energy on producing good quality grapes rather than a lot of second-rate ones. Vines, too, need to grow towards the light rather than getting in a tangled mass. Left to themselves, they produce a lot of superfluous growth, which must be cut away if the vine is to truly be what it's capable of. Woo! So good, right? I was like, oh my goodness. I loved reading that. So in order for fruit to be produced from our lives, that is spiritual fruit that has eternal value, we must first be abiding in the Lord. And second, we must understand that a pruning season or multiple pruning seasons in our lives are necessary. And recently, gonna be a little vulnerable with you guys here, I've been in a pruning season. I am a self-diagnosed control freak. Anybody else, you don't have to raise your hands, don't worry. But I love control. I wanna control everything in my life. I love an outcome. Like Joel said, I'm a nurse. I love to fix things. I love problem solving. I love control. But recently, the Lord convicted me that when I'm trying to control everything in my life, I'm actually not fully trusting in him. And that's been a little hard. <laughs> and so, in this season that I've been in, it's not that God's necessarily taken away anything in my life, but rather he's making room as he's teaching me what it means to let go of things, let go of my finances. Just like Joel said, or he didn't say this, but I'm starting seminary in September. I don't know how I'm gonna pay for it, but I trust, I'm trusting the Lord, I'm letting go of my finances. He called me to do it, he'll provide. Letting go of fear. I have an intense fear of flying, but yet the Lord keeps calling me to fly places. And I'm like, can we please not? Letting go of fear and might want to control the plane myself, but I don't even know how to fly a plane. <laughs> Letting go of the make-believe expectations that I've placed on myself, expectations that don't actually exist. And letting go of the belief that I think I know better than God which that's been, that's been, that's been one. <laughs> and it's not been easy. Again, it's not been fun to realize these things about myself at all. 
But at the same time, it's been so beautiful to see the Lord teach me to let go and to trust in him and to make room for the fruit that he wants to be produced in my life grow. He's pruning the branches that were inwards towards myself, rooted in what I wanted for myself. And he's pruning those, and we're still in the process, so that there can be more room for growth. And so knowing on standing of that truth of who he is, all the truth of who he is, we can trust that he knows what he's doing in a pruning season. He sees ahead of your life. He knows the abundance that's to come in your life, if that's you right now too in a pruning season. He sees the abundance of the fruit that he wants to produce in your life. And you know why he prunes us? It's because of his deep love for us. It's because he knows who he's created us to be. He knows who he's created you to be. And he loves you deeply. And so that leads me into my second point. As we abide in Jesus, his love abides in us. The actual love of Jesus is in you. Just take a moment, let that sink in. The love of Jesus lives inside of you, like literally. It's insane. Verse 9 through 10 said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. First John 4.16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in God, God abides in him. I don't know if you know this, but the greatest act of love to ever exist in the world was carried out by Jesus. He went to the cross for everyone who has walked on the earth and for everyone who will walk on the earth, knowing that a lot of them were going to reject him, but yet still, out of his love for us, carried the weight of the world, the wrath of the world on his shoulders at the cross. That's his love. God outpoured his wrath on Jesus so that we wouldn't have to endure it. What? That's insane. Like, that's so insane. It's the craziest love. And it's because of this one act of love, which we now as Jesus followers get to walk in undeserved favor and unearned righteousness in Jesus because of his love for us. Romans 3.22 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. God loves us so much that he sees us as righteous in him. He loves you so much that when you say yes to following Jesus, you are made new and whole, and he now sees you as a saint. That's what it says in Romans. We are now saints, not sinners, when we say yes to following Jesus. He now sees you as righteous, and that is only because of his love and the greatest act of love that has ever been done on the cross by Jesus himself. And so in light of the way that we've now been loved, we also are then to go and love others. God is love, and we are made in the image of God. And when we say yes to following Jesus, his spirit now dwells and lives inside of us. And so therefore, we too are able to love extravagantly and in ways that don't make sense to people. 
we now have the power to love people just like Jesus does. That is inside of us. And so we're, when we're abiding in God, we're literally abiding in love himself. We are abiding in love himself. And Christ died, Jesus died in the flesh, humanly flesh, so that we might live for him, right? He died in his flesh out of his love for us so we might live for him. So we too also are now to die to our humanly flesh so that we might love others as he has loved us. The only way to love others with the love of Jesus is to do it not out of our flesh, but in our new identity as a child of God. And so when we're spending time with Jesus and when we're getting to know him through his word, we can't help but his love come out of us and flow out of us to those around us. His word transforms our heart. And so when we're rooted in God's word, when we're rooted in reading the Bible, we can't help but just let this love that we're learning about flow from us. Another story for you guys. For a long time, when Michael, Michael is my husband, he's playing the guitar. We've been married four years. Um, for a long time in our marriage, when we'd get in an argument, a disagreement, or have a hard conversation, my reaction wasn't always Christ-like. A lot of times it was rooted in anger, and I would say unkind words. You can ask him. <laughs> Maybe don't. Just kidding. <laughs> but I truly was begging the Lord to change my heart. I realized this about myself. I knew this about myself, and I wanted to change so badly. So I began asking the Lord to help me embody the fruits of the Spirit. And when I didn't see change right away, I was like, come on, Lord, I've got you answer prayers right away. But yet with patience and perseverance and literally immersing myself in God's word saying, Lord, you say that your word transforms hearts. You say that your word transforms minds, that I now have the mind of Christ, that I now have the ability to stop my thoughts in a mid conversation and be able to fix them on you. This is what you say. And the desire of my heart is to live like this finally saw some change. Recently, we were having a conversation in which my reaction would normally not be very Christ-like. And I found myself mid-conversation able to stop my thoughts. And I found myself able to say, Lord, I need your heart right now. I need your heart right now. I need your heart right now. I need your heart right now is what I just said over and over and over in my head. And at the end of this conversation, we were both sobbing. <laughs> Because one, Michael had never felt so seen and loved by the Lord through a human before. And two, we legit could not even believe my reaction. That the Lord had actually done work and changed my heart. And it was a beautiful moment in our marriage. I mean, 2023 most improved wife of the year. What? Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. All that to say, when we abide in the love of our Father when we immerse ourselves in who he is, when we do life with him, when we continue to exist with him, our hearts can't be, our hearts can't help but be transformed by who he is. And we begin to look at others how he now sees them. And not only does his presence transform our hearts, but in his presence there is fullness of joy, right? So point three, last point, as we abide in Jesus, his joy is in us and his joy is complete. 
it says that in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So he's saying, I told you these 10 verses above about abiding in me 10 times. And he says, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So when we're abiding in the Lord, when we're doing life with the Lord, when we're simply being with Jesus, his joy will be in us and our joy will be full. That is his promise to us. And I truly believe that some of our human deepest desires are to be loved, to be known, and to be full of joy. Anyone want to be loved, known, full of joy? Coincidence that literally all of those things fully come from just being with the Lord? I think not. <laughs> oh, but it's so good. I love this quote. Well, I guess I don't know if I'd say I love it, but it's a little hard to hear. But it's from David Guzik, the guy I quoted earlier. He says, the joy of Jesus is not the pleasure of a life at ease. It is the exhilaration of being right with God and consciously walking in his love and care. The joy that comes from walking with Jesus and being obedient to where, he's, to where he calls us is better than any excitement or happiness that we could get from something that's not rooted in who he is. Happiness and excitement as reactions to things make sense, and that's great. It's so amazing to be happy and excited as a reaction to things. But the thing about joy is joy isn't contingent on anything. Joy is constant when it's rooted in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is constant. And so having joy doesn't always make sense, right? And that's okay. And I love here in this verse of John 15, because Jesus promises us his joy. Like I said, when we are abiding in him, he says we will be filled with his joy. And he doesn't say, possibly you'll be filled with my joy. You know, maybe I'll just give you a little taste of my joy. No, he literally says, my joy may be in you and your joy will be full. It's a legit promise of the Lord that you will be filled with his joy when you're doing life with him. And so maybe it's, it was hard to hear that the joy of Jesus doesn't always mean the pleasure of an easy life. I mean, I want an easy life. Anybody else? But I just love the underlying message of John 15, that all the things we just talked about. He says, it's pretty much saying nothing, absolutely nothing is better, more joyful, more wonderful than just simply being with me and from being with me you will be filled with my love you will produce much fruit and you will be filled with joy that doesn't make sense to other people that's what this is saying and so worship band you can come my husband you can make your way up and jackie <laughs> so jesus isn't saying here go plan a church go preach Go tell the next 10 people that you meet at the airport about me, and then you'll receive all of me, and then you'll be filled with joy. Absolutely not. He's saying, come be with me. Come be with me. Come learn about my love for you. I will give you all of who I am with you not having to give me anything. He says, I will give you all of myself. 
And you don't even have to give me anything. All you have to do is just say, I want to follow you. And it's not going to be easy. Sometimes life with Jesus isn't easy. And you know what? He says that's okay. And you want to know why it's okay? Because he's saying, I already carried the weight of the world on my shoulders at the cross for you. It is finished. Out of his mouth, it is finished. So walking with me, being with me, doing life with me is the best decision that you could ever make because from that you will bear much fruit. Fruit that you yourself don't have to even produce on your own. Fruit that I want to produce in your life that I know that the world needs. Abide in me so that my love is in you. Love for others that doesn't make sense. Love for yourself that doesn't make sense. He wants us to love ourselves because he loves us and he loves who he's created us to be. And lastly, just do life with me so that I can fill you with my joy. Joy that doesn't make sense. And so I believe there are three groups of people here today. I believe there are some of us who are in a pruning season. I believe there are some of us who have come out of a pruning season and are living in the fruit of the Lord. And I believe that there are some of you who want to say yes to Jesus and begin abiding in him. And so I'd love to pray over these three groups. And I also want to challenge you, I'm on the prayer team, to come up for prayer. If you're in a pruning season and it's hard or it's easy, if you're in coming out of a pruning season and you just want to praise the Lord for what he's doing in your life, or if that's you who wants to say, I'm ready to abide in Jesus. I'm ready to bear fruit. I'm ready to be filled with his love. I'm ready to be filled with joy. So would you pray with me? And then we'll worship. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that when we say yes to following you, we are abiding in you. And so, Lord, I just want to pray over the groups today, the people here today that are in a pruning season, Lord. Would they just be able to see you in their pruning season? You are making room for fruitfulness in their life right now, Lord. Would you give them eyes to see that? I thank you, Lord, for the people that you have brought out of pruning seasons and that there is now, they are now bearing so much fruit in their lives, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you want us to bear fruit and much fruit, more fruit than we could ever even fathom. You are so good. You are the best gardener. And Lord, for those who want to begin abiding in you today, if that is you, would you just pray this in your heart with me? Jesus, today I choose to repent of my sins and I choose to believe in you. I want to be abiding in you. I want to continue to exist with you. I want to do my life with you. And hey, maybe this is for the people too that have just been not, um, not in relationship with Jesus for a while. Maybe I just feel right now in my heart that some of you maybe have had a relationship with Jesus before and today your heart is beating fast and you wanna say yes to Jesus again. You want to begin abiding in him again. The branch hasn't been connected, it fell off maybe, but you want that branch back connected. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love your children, 
Thank you that you're pursuing every person on this grass, that they are the sheep you are after, that you are chasing their heart, and that all you want them to do is to do life with you. It's really that easy. It's really that simple. Lord, teach us to do life with you. Amen. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha.